BeastNet is brought to you by James Safety Services in partnership with OCR Bunny and OCR Strong. Here we discuss all things OCR and fitness related. Welcome to BeastNet. Hey everybody out there in BeastNet land. Brother Boggs, just giving you a quick introduction. You're listening to part two of Pretty Mike and Megan Beck. She is known as the OCR trainer. Watch out for a once a month special where we talk with a coach coming to you starting in April. So I know you were saying a little bit, you know, and then we went off on a, a really long tangent. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you got into the Spartan, you know, through the going to the, the Fenway race. Then mm-hmm. what got you into the, the coaching side? I mean, I, I get the whole, I mean, I love everything that you're talking about. I mean, I, we're on the same wavelength, like all the way through, but what got you to decide to do coaching? So it was, it's actually was just by chance. Um, I had just finished my first trifecta. It took me a couple years to go from, oh, well, I can run Fenway. I can do really well at Fenway. I feel, I don't want to ever say comfortable about racing, but like, I, I really enjoy it and I can run a three mile race. So then I saw a group on for a super. And I was like, I've never ran a quote unquote mud run. Like I'd never ran a Spartan in the mud. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to do it. Um, so I went and I did it. It was my birthday weekend. So I'm like, this is my birthday present to myself. Um, and I finished that and I was feeling great. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to run Fenway. I have this, I might as well just go run the beast. You know, me going from, I can never run more than three miles to, you know what, let's just go run a beast. Um, the South Carolina race was not even half an hour from where my sister and my nephews lived. So I planned to go down to South Carolina. I ran my first beast down there. It was the toughest thing I ever did. Like my body cramped. I cried at the end, you know, the typical, this is your first beast story for somebody who never thought that they could do more than three miles. Um, so I, when I finished up that beast, I was kind of going through an, my own little like identity crisis. I grew up in a family where we were told, you know, you can never get piercings, never get tattoos. Like we weren't, we were like religious, not like ultra conservative, but like they, my family definitely had their like opinion on what women should be. And like, I, I was, I'm one of four girls. Um, you know, we, we have to be ladies, all this stuff. Um, I decided I was going to go run in the mud. You know, I like rock music. Um, I'm not the most proper girl, like, but I was always told, you know, you can't get tattoos. You can't get piercings. You can't ever dye your hair, any kind of Kool-Aid colors. I finished up this and I'm like, you know, like I'm embracing me. Like, this is exactly who I am. Um, So like the next week I went and I dyed my hair green. And then like two weeks later, I was planning to get a tattoo for a trifecta. Um, and like, I was in, I was boxing, I was doing obstacle course racing. Um, I was like wicked nervous about the tattoo that I had designed, um, or that I had told my artist about. So she went and she was designing it. It was the night before I, um, it was the night before I was getting my tattoo done. I had no idea what it was going to look like. And I was just like, sitting online like super nervous like I'm bored and nervous so I'm like talking to people online I stumble across somebody who works for Spartan and we're talking and they're like hey do you want to like me for drinks I'm like sure why not like I had posted like it 
in my profile, it was like, I run obstacle course races. Like here's a picture of me running a Spartan race, whatever. Um, and we meet and, he, and we're talking and he's like, yeah, I just moved to Boston. I've been working for Spartan for years. Um, I've been living in Joe's barn and I write workouts of the day for Spartan. And I'm like, oh, he's like, yeah, I was actually the one that proposed the trifecta to Joe. I'm like, oh, well, I'm getting my trifecta tattoo tomorrow. Like the reason why I'm here is because I'm so nervous that like just sitting in my ap apartment is like making me go stir crazy. Mm -hmm. So we became like really good friends. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, he goes to my gym, the gym that I was working at. And, you know, he is obviously working for Spartan. I'm running Spartans. So he's asking me like all of this different stuff, picking my brain from, you know, the strength and conditioning fitness world, like, okay, as somebody who runs Spartans, what would you want to see? Or what would you do with this? So then it turned into, you know, if he was getting ready for a photo shoot, I would help him train for that. Finally, he's like, you know, like, I'm really sick of writing workouts of the day at this point. Uh, my workouts are, are really just based on what I did for running triathlons. Like I have no real knowledge of fitness. Like, would you be interested in writing workouts of the day for me? I'm like, uh, yes, obviously. Um, so I, you know, I start writing. He's like, everything you're doing is like so complex. Like, no, we just want like basic wads. Like we just want like CrossFit -y type of workouts. I'm like, yeah, except CrossFit -y type of workouts aren't going to get you ready for this. Like, why are you trying to do something that's not OCR? Like you don't need CrossFit, you need something Spartan. Yeah. So then um, I proposed to him like, hey, instead of just doing these random offshoot workouts of the day, why not say, hey, sign up for workout of the day in November, we are going to be training for a sprint. And we are putting out a four week training plan for the sprint and sign up now and you are going to get the full 28 days in your email. Every single day, you have what you would need to do to train for it. And at the end of the 28 days, you can go run your sprint. So we ended up doing that for a few months and it really took off. And even to this point, I get people that will follow me or message me and they say, you know, I found you because I did your beast training plan or I did your super training plan. I have some people that ran a full trifecta solely off of those training plans and said, I built into every single race just off of your plan. And, you know, maybe after I did 28 days, I went back and I repeated it and just increased the weights or whatever else. And it was inspiring to hear. So then from there, I'm like, right. you know, I'm a gymnast. I know the biomechanics necessary for hanging, swinging. Mm -hmm. I'm a strength and conditioning coach. I'm an athletic trainer. I know like my master's is in injury prevention. I know all of the components we need. I can, I know exactly what the biomechanics are for every single obstacle. Why not just turn this into something like you don't need obstacles to train. So, um, I'm, a total sports medicine, sports science nerd. I love picking apart the kinesiology and all of the different, you know, physics and biomechanics of every single thing and how your body is moving through space. So I then started putting together like training guides on every single obstacle. And I mean, I've even met up with Spartan pros who are like, 
Well, yeah, I was getting ready for fit challenge and I knew that I had to do the gibbons and I'd never done the gibbons before. So I watched your gibbons training video and it got me through it. And I'm like, mind blown, a uh, professional obstacle course racer is telling me that they used my training video to get across the gibbons or to learn how to flip onto the platform in front of the cargo net. Um, and need to work it, on that one. Yeah. And it was all just me saying, okay, in order to get the mechanics for this, you need this for your core stability. You need this for your shoulder mobility. You need to do this for your grip strength. But instead of saying, hey, just go find the obstacle, it's, well, no, we're going to train each muscle and each component you would need. So then when you put it all together at the race, everything just kind of snaps back because obstacle course racing is um, designed based off of just natural biomechanics. You know, it quite literally is just this giant playground. We've been playing on playgrounds since we were kids. Your body is designed to swing naturally. It's designed to pull itself up. You're designed to run. We've just been sedentary for so long, or we've been away from it for so long that our body just needs a little bit of a refresher. So if we train those muscles and you put yourself back in that situation, your body is going to figure it out pretty easily. So I said, you know, let's just train the biomechanics, train the different mechanisms that we need and stop focusing so much on let's get onto the obstacle and more on, okay, we are going to train everything that we will possibly need. So regardless of what is thrown at us, we are ready for it. And I like that. I like that. Cause that's one thing for me. I know there, there's a couple of them that I do. Cause my biggest thing is some people know, you know, five years ago now, I don't know, whatever it is. I broke all five metacarsals across my left foot. Oh, yikes. I, the, the one person to witness it said they watched my toes touch my heel. I bet my, like, bet my foot, Oof. basically. It got caught in a ladder. Um, yeah. Okay. So the, the, the ladder came down and basically guillotined my foot. So that was one thing that I ran into for a long time was one of the reasons why I got up to 290 pounds was everyone kept telling me, your foot's damaged so bad, you're never going to run again. And I'm like, okay. And because it was an L&I injury or at work injury they got me mm -hmm. back to work of you know the to job of injury which was yep. sitting at the desk so which had nothing to do with running nothing to do with anything else so i didn't have the physical therapy and then eventually i'm like well i gotta run anyway i, I gotta freaking do something because i'm 290 pounds mm -hmm. um and so i started running anyway and i had probably about a month or two where it was horrible pain like every once in a while i get this snap in my foot and it felt like something broke again and just horrible pain and then the next morning all of a sudden it could move again it can wow. move better. And I'm like, what? And when I talked to one doctor, they're like, it's probably scar tissue. You've got mm -hmm. so much scar tissue from four years of you not running because you were so worried about it and babying that foot that you're, you, it's going to break up and it's going to hurt. And he was like, you either have to push through it or give up. And I'm like, yeah. okay, well, I guess I'm gonna have to push through it. And every once in a while now, so I'll get like just the right step and something will pop in there. And I'm like, ow, but then it, it goes away pretty quickly. But you know, it's one of those, I was told I'd never have push off with that foot. And I'm did a four hour and 39 minute marathon in June. So, I mean, I think I got some push off that foot, but <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. Yeah. No, I, I talk to clients all the time who, you know, they have previous injuries, they have aches and pains popping, you know, cracking, clicking, whatever else. And they're like, Ooh, no, that's uncomfortable. Or, Oh, I'm really scared about re-injury. I said, you know, it, are you having any pain with any of the popping, cracking, clicking? Oh no. Okay. Well, that that's probably just scar tissue or, you know, tendons, ligaments crossing over bones because 
you have gone through so much damage to get it to where it is now, there's going to be some discomfort that comes in. If you develop a crack, a click, whatever else, it very well could be us rehabbing that injury and the muscles that weren't firing like they were supposed to are now slowly pulling that, you know, the joint back to where it should be and just where your body is adapted at this given time. A tendon is crossing over a bony prominence or scar tissue is sitting in there. You've gone through so much discomfort to get to where it is right now. Why would you think there's not going to be discomfort to get it back to where it needs to go? Just because it's a little uncomfortable doesn't mean what you're doing is wrong. But unfortunately, society tells us if there is any little bit of discomfort or pain and joints in muscles, whatever else, that's bad. We can't do that. No, we have put our body through much, through so much of the, you know, discomfort to damage it, you know, sitting at desks, forward rounding, you know, turning our head any which way while we're driving or, you know, just natural everything Mm -hmm. that we have, we're developing compensations and each day, that we aren't in our right anatomical state, we are causing more damage to our body. So we need to counteract that. And it's going to take some time, but Mm -hmm. it's also going to take the proper training. And yes, there's going to be uncomfortableness. You have to get uncomfortable in order to see a change. And I mean, that's why so many people are against deadlifting because, oh my gosh, I feel it in my back. Guess what? You have muscles in your back. Mm-hmm. in order to strengthen the muscles in your back, you're going to have to feel them start to fatigue. Yeah. And you're not going to strengthen those without a deadlift and without the proper training for it. But if you continue to avoid it because you're afraid of getting injured, you're not only not going to get stronger, you're actually making them weaker every single time. And you're going to be more likely to get injured. Exactly. Um, so it's interesting here. You say, you know, you got injured at work and they rehabbed you only to your work duties. Um, and typically I'm, I'm, I've always been that person that as an athletic trainer, I was, you know, in a college setting, I've worked in a physical therapy setting. I'm that strength and conditioning specialist, injury prevention specialist that's between physical therapy and traditional settings, like whatever your sport specific is, because in physical therapy, they only rehab you to activities of daily living. So in all of these Facebook groups, you know, as I'm moderating or whatever else, you get everybody saying, oh my gosh, I have sciatica or piriformis syndrome. I have, you know, IT band issues. I'm, I'm having a problem in my neck. What do I do? Have you dealt with all this stuff? I come in and I say one, Nobody in here is a doctor. We don't know what your specific um, issue is. So please stop asking a general forum for strategies to handle your injury. Go talk to your doctor. Go talk to your physical therapist. Then when you talk to your physical therapist, say, can I talk to a sports medicine specialist? Because that sports medicine specialist will get you back to, you know, return to activity, get you back into your sport where just a general physical therapist is more likely going to only get you back to activities of daily living. And for a lot of people, that's just sitting at a desk or that's just grocery shopping, you know, okay, 
your farmer's carries are only going to be the equivalent of what you have to carry in your grocery bags to get home or to get from the garage to the house. Um, carrying a laundry basket, the only steps you're going to have to go up are the ones you go up on the stairs. But if you're training for Killington, Montana, Hawaii, you're going to have to go on a steeper incline and your right. physical therapist is not going to want to do that with you. More importantly, your insurance company is not going to want to do that with you. So that's where it's important to find somebody who specializes in that return to sport protocol to say, you know, yeah, I have a lot of damage and I've been working with somebody to get me back, but they don't know what it is we're doing in this sport. We need to find a way to strengthen everything to get me back out onto the course. Yeah. And that's what helped me is finally, I, 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 you know, cause like I said, all the docs would do is get me back to like life. And mm -hmm. I'm like, but I do Spartan races and I still did the Spartan races, even after the injury, even when I got up to 290 pounds, but I wasn't doing anything in between because of the pain in that foot. And I use that as my excuse, you know, even though, I mean, I did, I am the, the, the dummy that tried doing Hawaii with a boot. Um, <laughs> I did not make the beast, but I did finish the super with a full boot on. Hey, um, good for you. I would love to see those pictures. Oh yeah. I've got some. Um, and actually the boot, <laughs> I still have the boot. It's downstairs and it's completely wrecked. I mean, wrecked. It's part wow. of my, like my metal wall. Cause when I came back and my doctor, cause I asked my doctor, can I do this? And they're like, Oh yeah, sure. You can do a race. Just don't land on that foot. And I'm like, cool. And then I come back and like the, the air pockets are popped and filled with, with, you know, mud. I mean, there's huge gouges down the sides of it. And he's like, what did you do? And I'm like, I did a Spartan race. He's like, I don't think I knew what that was. <laughs> I don't think if I known what it was, I would have said you could do that. I'm like, well, you said I could. So I would have definitely had the race director sign it. Oh, I thought, yeah, but yeah, it was one of those just, oh yeah. Um, Cause yeah, I, I DNF the beast cause I couldn't move quick enough. And Norm pulled me. I was like, he's like, it's taking you, you know, you, I missed one of the time hacks by like 30 seconds. And I'm like, come on, dude. And he's like, Ooh no he's like you, you look at you you're destroyed at this point yeah. he came in here and he's like no and i'm like fine and then i did the super the next morning but but i mean it's just one of those things because i'm just like eh, i'll do it anyway but i mean that was my biggest problem was i just didn't have the right doctor to say hey this is what you're supposed to do and then when i finally got a coach and said okay these are my problems they're like well let's see what we can figure out with that foot and then once i broke up the cartilage I mean, the, the scar tissue and got moving with it. I, all of a sudden I could flex it and I could move it. And I'm like, oh, well, they told me I'd never be able to do this again. Yeah. Well, apparently they were wrong, you know, and then all of a sudden I could do it. I mean, my foot, my left foot's bigger and like wider mm -hmm. and a little shorter than my right now, but whatever, you know, cause I mean, I, I, yeah, it was, it was some major damage. You know, it's bad when the nurses are like, come here, you got to see this x-ray. I'm like, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, that's how it was with my nose when I had the deviated septum. They're like, this is what we call textbook deviation, meaning we want it in a textbook because it is so miraculous that everybody should see just how bad it could get. Yeah. Um, but no, I tell people all the time, like, yes, we always want to go and check in with our doctors. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I've worked with so many doctors as their trainer and they're like, we have no idea about fitness. We don't know about sports medicine. You know, not a lot of them are into the holistic stuff. Like even physical therapists, to an extent, they know how to treat the symptoms. They know how to find the what's causing the issue, but they don't know what is what the biggest bigger problem is. Uh, pain doesn't mean that there is a problem in that specific area. Yes, with like you breaking your foot, 
your problem was quite literally where the pain was because it was what we would call a contact injury. There was something that directly caused it to happen. But if you have, say, an ACL tear or an ankle sprain, more likely than not, it's a non-contact where you just moved the wrong way and your body couldn't adapt to the forces. So the ligament tore. Yeah. And um, that is caused by an, an imbalance, whether it's in your hips or, you know, the musculature that surrounds it. So typically where the issue is, um, the problem, the underlying problem is in the joint above or below. So in injury prevention and like sports medicine and everything else, we try to diagnose that issue because the pain that you're feeling is going to be is going to subside with correcting the bigger problem. And then you're not going to have compensation anymore. But if, you know, you tear your ACL and we're only thinking, okay, let's strengthen your quads, your hamstrings. Well, we're not fixing the glutes. And ultimately one of the biggest issues with ACL tears is that the hips come in at such a significant angle to the knee And that's why it's more prevalent in women is women have wider hips, that knee comes down at a greater angle. Then when you move in a certain way, your glutes can't control the knee anymore and the ACL snaps. So we need to strengthen the glutes to strengthen the knee. But if you're going to just a traditional physical therapist, and I don't want to say that all physical therapists do this because there are plenty that don't, same with doctors. The doctors can say, hey, you tore your ACL, but they're not going to say, hey, look, you tore your ACL because of your glutes. We need to be thinking, okay, in order to keep this ACL from re-tearing, yes, we need to strengthen the knee, but we need to strengthen the glutes as well. Hey, let's take a look at your ankles and see what we can do from the ankles too. So all of this is working together because at the end of the day, the body is a kinetic chain and everything works together to keep the body in one cohesive unit. Um, so ultimately doctors, they're just, they're trying to get patients in and out as quickly as they can, because the insurance companies are paying for them. Same with physical therapists, the insurance company is saying, Hey, you tore your ACL, you need to fix this ACL. So we are going to fix the knee and we don't have time to fix all of the other underlying conditions because they are not banking on the fact that you're an obstacle course racer. They're thinking you're just a guy who's going to go back and sit at a desk and maybe might hop on the treadmill once a week. And the risk of you re-tearing something is very low. Yeah, they fix they, they, A lot of times they fix the symptoms, not the actual everything. Exactly. And that's one thing because I, I really noticed that when I hurt my foot, um, I started having hip issues. Yep. And it was one of those things. And my doctor's like, I don't know. And mm-hmm. then I talked to one of my friends who was a trainer and she's like, um, yeah, because you're not moving correctly. Cause your foot's jacked out. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, I never thought about that. You know? And then I had some lower back issue. Same thing. I just, I wasn't moving. My body wasn't moving the way it was supposed to. So the rest of my body's trying to compensate. So I'm getting soreness and pain in other parts of my body because one, you know, that all came from that foot. And that's what a lot of people don't think about. They're like, oh, my back's hurt. My back, I must have a problem with my back because I have back soreness. It's like, is it, or, or are you walking different because two weeks ago you tweaked your knee or are you doing something different because of some other yep. injury? It's yeah. funny that you say that because in grad school, I actually had, I was working with the volleyball team and we, our star outside hitter was experiencing back pain. 
So we put her through a kinetic chain assessment and we take a look at everything that's going on and we discover that she has zero great toe flexion. So she can't bend her big toe at all. So when she went to jump, she was externally rotating her foot and jumping off the side of her foot instead of off of her big toe. So um, we then also found her piriformis was tight. So we started doing some joint mobilizations to her big toe and gave her some like lateral to walking, something that would keep her to stop her from externally rotating. So we got her jumping back off of her big toe and keeping her foot straight. And then we like released her piriformis, her lower back pain completely went away. So she's like, oh, I'm fixed. Okay, perfect. Stopped coming in. Three weeks later comes back, my back pain's back. Her, she wasn't keeping up with any of her great toe mobility. And she, you know, she was externally rotating again. Her piriformis was super jacked up and her back was bothering her. And it was all contributing to that foot problem. I mean, I, I attended a seminar where it was about how core stability is built from the ground up. And in our society today, we are walking on a pillow. Our shoes have so much support in it at this point. You know, our, we don't have to rely on our arches. We don't have to activate our toes. Our feet don't have to work on their own because they're just walking with this natural support. So our shins are getting lazy, our arches are collapsing, our feet don't know how to activate. We have balance receptors at the bottoms of our feet, but the more we walk in shoes, the duller they get. So they can't grip anymore, there's no activation. And as those start to deactivate, it just continues up the entire chain. So it locks up your calves, it locks up your shins, it deactivates your hamstrings, it deactivates your glutes. And then the next thing you know, you get no lower abdominal activation, no hip activation, all because your feet aren't turned on anymore. So mm -hmm. we need to stretch our toes. We need to stretch our shins. We need to get out of shoes. We need to barefoot train. We Back caveman days, we were not designed to be in shoes. Our feet no. are built to you know, activate and control our body. We will get more control in our body without shoes on. It's the same thing that I tell everybody when they ask about gloves with racing. Like, no, you don't want to put an extra layer because you have balance receptors in your hands. Your hands will adapt better without gloves on. Um, but uh, you can talk to almost any of my clients. Anytime there's any like foot, ankle, anything, I'm like, okay, here is an activation you can do with your foot. Here are stretches you can do. I'm very much a, a big advocate for barefoot training, you know, proprioceptive training in the feet. I mean, I do a lot of single leg plyometrics, um, a lot of just everything to target really the feet because yeah. as obstacle course racers, that is one of the main things we really need to make sure is working. We have to adapt to every single thing we're doing when we're running, jumping, everything else. Oh, yeah. And, and that is so, you know, one of those things I, I hate shoes, but I mean, okay, that's not true. I hate shoes, but I also love shoes. I know to, for running, I need the right shoe. If I'm not, I don't have the right shoe, I'll have mm -hmm. issues. But when I'm doing anything else, I'm the first one I get home, my shoes are kicked off and I'm, I go barefoot everywhere. Um, but I know like my wife has issues. She can't, if she's on her feet for more than like an hour or so without shoes, she'll start having back problems. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's because you wear shoes constantly. Yeah. Like, 
probably not stretching her toes, rolling no. out her feet, um, stretching the shins. Um, I, I know <laughs> a lot of women in particular just love heels. And by wearing heels, it's deactivating your calves. It's deactivating your hamstrings. I know it's supposed to, you know, accentuate your booty, but it's putting your hip flexors on this wicked stretch and it's just completely destroying your lower kinetic chain. So we, we need to be focusing more on stretching and activating everything with the feet. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. And it's one of those things. That was one of the things I really noticed after hurting my foot and the issues that I still, I still have some issues. I mean, it's not like it's bad. It's gone. I mean, I'm going to have issues forever with that foot. I mean, I broke all five metacarsals all the way across, which is never a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, luckily I didn't have to have surgery. I was like a quarter of an inch. Ooh. Off that is luck yeah if i had had if it had been a quarter an inch farther back i would have been on the, the you know those those last knuckles but i missed them so it was just i literally broke them all five right down the middle so yeah but so i got lucky wow. didn't have to have surgery but if you look in x-ray now all the bones are like off at an angle and wrong mm -hmm. but they're like it's there's nothing we can do about that and i'm like okay but <laughs> Well, you know, someone always going to have issues, but it's like learning how to still work out and do things mm -hmm. with those issues. And that's what I, that's what I found was at first it was like, well, I'm hurt. Guess I'm done. Guess I better sit on the couch and eat potato chips. And then eventually it was like, no, I can't do this. This is, I'm destroying myself. I'm, this is not no way to live, you know? So how can I still, you know, and that's where my brain came in. How can I still work out with this? Mm -hmm. you know and that's where it came into it i started finding ways and i mean i'm on a let's i'm almost up to 600 days running streak wow that is so, a lot yeah i think I'm, I'm almost i'm at like 575 I, i've lost count it started on july 8th 2020 so it was the first day of the the run streak so i ran at least one one mile a day since that since Good july 8th, 2020 and this whole month i've actually been uh, a 5k a day so. okay but in some of them, it's just, you know, run out and get on the treadmill, run for a bit and, you know, whatever. But just my goal is always since May of, uh, yeah, May of 2020 has been hundred miles per month of okay. running and I've hit Go that ahead. every month. So, but now with the, the triathlons, I'm trying to get the swim and the bike in there too. So, but yep. it's, you know, the running, cause I need the cardio. Cause that's what I needed to, to, to lose the weight it was the cardio, but now I need to add some more back, some more weightlifting that I haven't been doing for the last couple of months. Cause I've kind of just kind of been in that lull. So, mm -hmm. so I've made the medicine balls and some of that stuff so that I can start doing some more heavy, you know, good. Just make sure you're getting recovery in there as well. What's recovery. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I know, but it's amazing how much like a true rest day can really like reset yeah. absolutely everything. Well, and that's what I'll do some days. I mean, I'll, I'll run the mile, but like for the 5k, a couple of those have been like walking. Yeah. I like ran a mile and then walked and, you know, another two point yep. or whatever, but it's like, so I can get a little bit of rest because I, I have found that that was one of the, my biggest problems. I think it was, um, I had a goal of 1500 miles for last year. And I realized in November that I was over 200 miles off. I was like almost 300 miles off and I needed a push. So I think I did 180 miles in November and like another 150 in December and just really pushed. And then it was like, after that, I'm like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> like I need a break, but i still want to yep. keep the street going. But I just, I'm like, I need to, I, I can't push that many miles. I did my, for my birthday every year, I run my, my age. So, oh, wow. So, and my birthday is in December. So I ran 44 miles. And since the weather was so bad, I ended up doing for the first time, I did 44 miles on the treadmill. So I just, Oh my on, gosh, no, 
I, I put on like a t- one of my favorite shows and just sat there and just ran and did 44 miles. Oh, no, thank you. No, so thank you. I never you. want to do it again. The last time I did it, I did it actually on a track. I did for last year when I did 43 miles, I did it on a track and we used it as my birthday party. So I was running around the track <laughs> and then my friends would show up and they would have to run laps with me to talk with me and everything like that. And we just, that, that was kind of my birthday. Uh, I was picturing you like beer miling it. Like as you come around, oh, like somebody's like handing you a beer, like if it wasn't here's 40, a slice of cake. Yeah. If it wasn't 43 miles, maybe, but they, there was cake, but yeah, if it okay, wasn't 43 miles, I mean, I, I, I might do the beer mile. I've done one. It was a beer 5k and every mile you had to stop and drink a beer. And it was like, by the third one, I almost puked because it's just like, yeah. Yeah. No. Trying to chug a beer when you've been running and it's like, oh, this is horrible. Yeah. I couldn't. I'm good. Like I get middle of an ultra and you have a beer is like, it's really good carbs and your body's going to process it very quickly. Um, But I couldn't like for a full race or whatever else. No. No. See, I'm weird because for me in the ultra, what I did, and everyone thought it was weird. I did uh, peanut butter sandwiches. See, I don't think that's weird, except I've never eaten a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So that's the only thing that's weird for me. There was no but, jelly. It was just peanut butter. Okay. Just the peanut butter and the, and the bread. So it was just because I just wanted that, the, the, you know, the, the protein and everything, and the, the, everything from the, the peanut butter and the bread to keep me the fuel. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's weird. I just don't like peanut butter on bread. So I just have no desire for that but i have heard that you know a lot of people doing the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches so i'd imagine peanut butter sandwich sans jelly is just the same um i just packed up a slice of pizza i literally went out on my second lap like eating a slice of pizza i ran into somebody from massachusetts that was like coming out to uh, like the trail runs that i'd host and they're like, Megan, are you on your second lap? Like, how's it going? I'm like, oh, it's great. I'm just eating lunch as I'm like eating a slice of like Hawaiian pizza because um, <laughs> pineapple ha- is so great for electrolytes. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, That's my favorite snack. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, Hannah, pineapple pizza as I'm like running out. And I was like throwing some prosciutto in my mouth. And then it, um, like, when I was out like mid lap, I'd have like an Oreo or whatever else. Yeah. But I mean, I preach to all my clients how you really need like solid junk foods that are going to motivate you. I've had, you know, an Oreo at mile 13 of my 24 hour race. And it, it took me out of that dark place. Cause I mean, it was four mile loops. So you're on, you know, lap four of the same four miles and you're just going insane. So I ate an Oreo and it, took me out of that dark place and like mentally brought me back. I was happy again. My body was fueled. And like, when you're in an ultra, you need something that brings you joy that you need to physically chew. That's not just going to get like stuck in your teeth. And that has like no texture, like your body needs to stimulate or your mind needs the stimulation and your body needs the fuel. Yeah. And that was me. It's one of those, I just had, you know, like four or five of them in my, my bucket transition. And just pretty much grabbed the Ziploc bag and threw it in my pack. Yeah. And just as I was going, it was like I, I had one like right then, and then I had more as I went through. You know, because mm-hmm. that second lap, that first lap, I didn't need a lot of fuel, and I don't. And I'm I'm horrible. People, I, I I'm a starvation runner, and people yell at me for it all the time because I won't eat before I run, and then usually I'll, I'll eat as I'm running. Mm-hmm. 
but I won't eat beforehand. And then that's kind of the thing is usually that first lap. I didn't really need much. I had a little bit of snacks, you know, a couple like jelly beans and stuff like that. But then that second lap is when I needed all the, you know, definitely needed fuel to get through. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. No, I think a lot of people don't really understand fueling for an ultra. Like it is something completely, totally different from the sprint super beasts. Yeah. You know, you're going out for an ultra. You should pack a feast really, because you don't know what you're going to need when you're going to need it, unless you have been in that situation numerous times. And even still, every time I've gone for 20 plus miles, I've, I've craved something different Mm -hmm. or, you know, I wanted something different at different points. So when I went out for both the 24 hour races and for, you know, the Spartan ultra fit noob sanity ultra, I packed this huge bin with, you know, five different options for liquids and, you know, 10 different options for foods. I have little baggies of everything. Okay. Did I eat this on the first lap? No, I still have this. So I don't need to grab these ones. Oh, I want a sip of Coke. Okay. Quickly grab a sip of Coke, grab some cold cuts or grab some pizza, but really it all comes down to trial and error. And then listening to your body after long runs, typically what you're craving after a long run is what your body is deficient in. And you tend to crave something of the similar every time. So then your body starts to get used to that. So you can know, okay, typically when I get around mile 20, 25, I really want something salty, or I really want something sweet, or I really just need a little bit of caffeine or carbonation. Um, So then have it for right around when you're going to need it and you're good. Yeah. And that's one of the things I think a lot of people get too much. And I was this way in the the beginning where I was so focused on having healthy stuff, but then it's Mm -hmm. like mm, a lot of people, a friend of mine brought all these, like, you know, crustables and all sorts of weird things. And I'm like, what don't you, or shouldn't you have? And he's like, no, I have what I'm going to be hungry for, you know? And I've had other people say like Coke is like one of the best things that like they don't drink Coke except for when they're on like an Mm -hmm. ultra. And I'm like, what, why would you, why would you? But then it's like, I hear all the, the, everything behind it. And I'm like, oh, I guess, you know, you, you need that fuel and you need to fuel your body. Cause the thing is, it's not like when you're eating healthy all day, like me, I love pineapple. I will eat. Yep. Usually like I go and buy like half gallon tubs of them and I just eat them like they're candy because that is my candy now, but on a race, I need some more fuel than that, you know? Yeah. So that would be, you know, maybe a snack just to get me through a little part, but I'm going to need something. I'm going to need the peanut butter, you know, and a sandwich, you know, have that real food, you know, something in it, you know, something that's real food that's going to get me. Cause usually if I could barbecue on a race, that's what I would do because that's Mm -hmm. my first stop after a race is what is the closest burger joint with the best burgers for this area? Yeah. Like in Texas, I never had a Whataburger. I'm like, where's a Whataburger? (laughs) That's awesome. No. And Uh, like for the basic runners who, you know, are just trying to think, what should I plan for an ultra? We can keep it very simple and say, you know, find something that you enjoy, something that's going to make you happy, something that you're going to look forward to when you're out on the race. Mm -hmm. But really, I mean, I had a client that was running Killington and he had ran ultras before. So he didn't ask me, how should I be fueling out on course for Killington? I saw him right, you know, at bin drop 
the night before. And I'm like, Hey, talk to me. What do you have in your bed? And he's like, I have a whole wheat peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I have a couple like cliff blocks. I'm like, that's it. I'm like, one, why are you packing whole wheat, whole grain? Um, why are you packing something, you know, high fibers and all of this other stuff? Like we, as you know, health and fitness crazed everybody, we are mm-hmm. thinking, oh, well, whole wheat, whole grain is better for you. We, we eat it all day. So that's what we want. We want to keep healthy things. We want to fuel our body with all of this healthy stuff. Well, the reason we eat whole wheat, whole grain, everything is because it takes longer for our body to process it. So our body doesn't break down those sugars quick and we don't have to use those sugars quick. So it's not getting stored as fats and everything else that we don't want it to be stored as. But when we're on an ultra, we want that energy as fast as physically possible. So everything we know about healthy foods, throw it all away. We want junk foods. We want white potatoes. We want French fries. We want potato chips. We want pizza. We want white breads. There's this thing called the glycemic index, which, you know, it's, it's in relation to how quickly our body breaks down that carb into like it's simple sugar components to then go into the bloodstreams, blah, 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 science. Yeah. Um, so the higher the glycemic index, the quicker our body uses it for fuel and into the bloodstream. So the whole wheat, whole grain has low glycemic index because it's going to take longer. So it fuels our body longer when we're not physically active. So we have more time to burn that all off. Well, for the ultras, We want things that are not necessarily good for us because they get broken down so incredibly fast that we can burn those instantly and we're not waiting for our body to go through all of its metabolic processes to finally allow us to use those sugars. So I yelled at him and he went and he grabbed some apple cider donuts and a couple of junk foodie things to eat during transition during the Killington Ultra. And um, after the fact, there were, there were still some mistakes that we need to rectify for his mm-hmm. next attempt. He did end up having um, some knee issues due to footwear and some other things that we need to figure out. But he came back to me and he's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for telling me to go get junk foods that pulled me out of, you know, mental place that really helped me get through the second death march, all of this other stuff. Um Oh yeah. And cause once you get them, it's like you said, it's like, it's almost instant energy. I mean, it yep. hits your body and it's there. It's not like, you know, like you said, I mean, a lot of those we eat them and the, the, it's energy for a while. It's going to keep you going mm-hmm. endurance wise, but when you need that quick, you know, like I need energy now because I've been burning it all morning. That's when you want that. You want the junk foods. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean the OG, like Amelia Boone is, talks about how she loves Pop-Tarts before a race. Well, it's because Pop-Tarts are going to give you this instant energy. I literally will, um, when I go get some breakfast, I'll, you know, pick up a plain bagel with some cream cheese. You know, it's got the proteins, it's got the fats, it's got the carbs. Um, I eat it, you know, two hours before the race. So there's a little time, so it's not sitting like a rock, but it's still quick energy. Mm -hmm. And then I'll get a donut and I just call it my sugar bomb. I'm like, just give me a quick sugar bomb before the race and I'm good to go. I just want that quick instant energy. Yeah. And a lot of people don't think of that. You know, we've been trained so much, especially as the, you know, doing athletics, we've been trained so much, eat healthy, eat healthy, eat healthy. Mm -hmm. 
but then we don't think about once you're getting these, you're, you're going to burn it all. Yeah. You know, so you want that, you know, you want that quick energy. And that's one of the things I found the last marathon I did, I actually had a, a Snickers. <laughs> yeah. I, I brought fun size Snickers out during my last ultra. Yeah. I, I did a marathon in December or November and like halfway through, I, I brought a Snickers and I ate a Snickers and all of a sudden it was like, everything came back and I was able to, you know, start going on the pace that I should have been to get my goal. Mm -hmm. So, yep. you know, and it's like, Oh wow, that worked really well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, part of why I started on honey stingers was because I found like their vanilla and their chocolate flavoring for their gels. Cause I can't, I couldn't do the, the real, like authentic gels. I didn't like the texture behind it all. At least the chocolate and the vanilla was mm -hmm. like frosting. So, you know, for short, shorter race distances, that was perfect. It gave me something that was like a treat without just completely disgusting me with, you know, the mouth feel and everything else. Yeah. Um, I like their waffles. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then going on into the ultra realm, it's like, okay, I need something that I can chew and that I like look forward to. And, you know, something that really pulls me into that you're eating something real and not just race fuel. And then it gives you that instant energy and it really hits you very quick and it brings you right back to life. Your pace is right back. I mean, I've found that I'm running faster, stronger after all of it than I was even at the start of the race. Yeah. And that was me. Once I, once I had the Snickers, it changed everything. It was, and that's one thing is I did, like I said, in June, I did a, a marathon at 439, but it was, it's a downhill marathon. You start at mm -hmm. the top of like Snoqualmie pass, which is the, the big pass here in Seattle area. And you just run straight downhill. It's like 2,300 feet down, but it's like wow. just enough of a downhill that it doesn't blow your knees. But by the time you hit the bottom, your, your ham or your, your quads are on fire. I mean, it, yep. yeah. I was like, wait, I finished. And I'm like, I need to, I, I can't sit down until we get to the car. And she, my <laughs> wife's like, why? I'm like, cause if I do, I'm not going to be able to get back up. <laughs> yeah. My, yep. my, yeah. But, and then I did another one in Seattle, um, in November, but it was more hill up, down, up, down all over the place. And you know, all that. And I did five fifty, you know, but my goal was less than six. And mm -hmm. there was a point where I'm like, I don't think I'm going to make it. And then that's when I pulled out the Snickers and ate the Snickers. And all of a sudden it was like, even mentally my mental, you know, came back where I could start figuring yep. out, okay, this is the pace I need to be at where I was having problems coming up with the math and everything else. And then all of a sudden, once I ate that, it's like, oh, okay. Yes. I need to be at this pace. This is from here on out. If I continue this pace, I'll beat the six, you know, and that was kind of the, you know, it is a big change once you get that sugar rush. Exactly. And I think that the mental part of it all is what people really don't fully grasp. Like, it's tough to describe to somebody what they're going to go through mentally during an endurance race if they haven't actually been through it, especially since everybody reacts a little bit differently. But at some point, you are going to fall into that monotony of, oh, I'm, I just have to keep going. I have to keep going. I have to keep going. That you lose sight of, oh, my pace is dropping or, oh, my gosh, I was supposed to eat X amount ago or, oh, I think I have to go to the bathroom or all this other stuff that you need to have these different strategies to try and pull yourself out of it. Like when you start doubting what you're, if you can do this, or, you know, when you start trying to decipher, is that an ache and ache or is that a pain? Is it, is there a problem or is this just my body 
not really enjoying what's going on, but I haven't injured myself. So you have to have these different mental strategies to pull yourself out of it. But oftentimes, if you're not mentally there to begin with, because you've fallen into the monotony, how are you going to bring yourself mentally back in order to cope with everything else that's going on? And the the answer oftentimes is with your fuel choice. And that's, you know, have something that you look forward to, or, Mm -hmm. you know, get some kind of, you know, caffeine, electrolytes, whatever, in terms of, you know, hydration, get, you know, a Snickers bar, get some pizza. I mean, you hear ultra runners talk about how they'll go for an extra long run and they'll order a pizza along the the way and say, I am going to be at this intersection in 30 minutes. I will meet you there. They grab their pizza and they continue running. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that fuel is part of the big thing that's going to pull you right back out because you're now not only looking forward to it, your mouth, you you have to physically chew it. So you're getting more sensory from the chewing, from the smell, you know, from the feel of the fuel. And it's bringing you back because of everything else that it's triggering within your brain that now you're no longer in that haze where, you know, it's like you have blinders on, you're starting to, everything's looking blurry, can't really hear as well. You have no interest in what you're doing. Um, Now it's like, I'm right back to life. And it was all just because you had even just so much as a fun size Snickers. Yeah. And that's it. And like, when I say I had a Snickers, that's what I'm, it was a fun size. I'm not talking like I had a whole, you know, King size Snickers bar. I wanted one at the moment, but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if I'd had it, I would have eaten it. But, and that's the thing is, I mean, it's like I said, and a lot of people, you know, like I said, well, I have always been a starvation runner. That's always just, mm-hmm. if I eat before I run, I, I, it just feels like you said, like there's a rock. It has to be like two hours beforehand or something like that. Mm-hmm. If I eat right before I run, it just feels like there's a rock sitting in my stomach and just slowing me down. But as I'm running, if I'm eating, so that's why I'll keep fun size Snickers, you know, honey stinger waffles something in there that you know i can mm-hmm. eat that's going to fuel me but that's why usually the night before you know i used to have a really bad habit of like steak and a whiskey and coke the night before race and <laughs> it's not the best choice so now usually it's you know the typical big plate of spaghetti or something like that you know mm-hmm. get the carb load so that that'll be my my fuel first thing in the morning and then i'll have fuel as i go throughout the day so yeah i've got a couple of big ones coming up i've got a 24 hour one in june that's it's the sisu pacific northwest which i don't know if you've ever heard of it it's yeah Mm -hmm. it's it's brutal it's 24 hours um up in mount rainier and you do these loops and there's different multiple loops that you can do but it's basically to see how many miles you can hit um the thing is they have a special word for whoever hits 100 miles they still have not had someone do it and really nobody's hit 100 miles in 24 hours it's a brutal you know it's brutal. Last year was bad because it was during the hot, the hottest day, like on record in Washington. Oh, and it hit 116 degrees. And the first wow. one I went up, there was no, it had a fire had gone through like three years before. So there was no tree line, nothing. So I was just getting pounded on. I basically went into heat stroke before I finished the first lap. So oh I had God. to like cool myself down, drink a bunch of water and take like almost a six hour break just to be able to like function again. And I ended up finishing, I think with 32 miles in 24 hours, but it was something like 10,000 feet elevation. 
in that case, you have to like have multiple pairs of race clothes, like in a cooler with like soaked down. Um, I climbed and then, into the, spur- the, the spring. There was a stream and I just climbed into it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look at like Ryan and Lindsay at Hildervat last year, they went running into the ocean right before they took off onto the course. And I mean, that's something I have to do here. Like when I'm running along the Harbor in Boston during the summer, I physically sprint into the ocean. I get drenched and then I go for my run. If it's like nearing a hundred degrees with the humidity, because that's how you're going to stay cool. And that you're going to heat, like that's going to dry really quickly. You're going to heat back up really fast, but the only way you can even remotely keep yourself from going into a heat illness is if you start in a cooler state yeah. and it, it comes with wetting down all of the clothes, you know, when you're running something like a Palmerton where it's in the open shade or in the open space with no shade. Um, you're, you should not be running like shirtless. You shouldn't be running in only a sports bra. You want to run in clothes. That's going to hold some of the moisture in anytime you go through the water, because even just having something that's taking your sweat, that is going to naturally cool you down a lot quicker. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand that if it's hot Mm -hmm. and humid, it's basically you, you cool yourself down because the sweat evaporates. And if it's mm-hmm. too humid for the sweat evaporate, you overheat. You know, yeah. and that was one thing on that one. I overheated and then cooled myself down and waited till later in the evening when it was still a little bit hot, but I, I picked a route that was more shaded, did that one next, and then did almost all my miles and after sunset. So, and basically finished it, you know, because it started seven in the morning to seven the next morning. And I finished it like 6 a.m. and did almost all my mileage in, in, in dark. Wow. Because we're out in the middle you. of the woods. It was brutal. And, and of course, then I'm like, well, that was horrible. Where do I sign up for next year? Yeah, <laughs> that's usually how it goes. Yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here like, oh, my gosh, I kind of want to go try this. Oh, it's an amazing <laughs> race. I mean, it's it's one of those you do it as a team and there's all there's challenges. Like the first people to get up there, you get little you know, you can get little trinkets that you bring back and you get extra points. And um, last year was the first time I'd ever done it. And both my teammates, we'd never done it. And all of a sudden we got third. Wow. And at one point in the middle of the night, we looked at the thing and we're like, how are we in first? None of us have been paying attention to any of this. We've just been <laughs> running. And then, but because we hadn't been paying attention, there was a bunch of the extra little things that we could have done that we never did. So we ended up dropping down to third, but it was like, oh, well, huh, maybe you should actually pay attention to how this works. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a fun one. It's great. It's uh, yeah. It's put on by uh, Tony Matisse who okay. used to be with Spartan. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to, I'll have to look this up it's a fun one you can do it as a team or you can do it as a, as a group we i i we were at one of the rv spots and put an rv out there so we have an rv <laughs> for our so but Amazing. we have a, a race wife too uh, one of our racers chris her her wife comes in and she's our race wife for the the weekend and she basically takes care of all three of us oh awesome so, yeah so she's got water for us like every time we come back it's like you know it's just she's amazing serena just she, she waits for us we'll come back she's like what do you need do you need this do you need that you know gets us water helps us get ready for the next the next loop so it's nice having that so we had that extra bonus but oh i love that and they get a food truck out there and everything so it, it's it's pretty fun it's a fun little fun little race so if you ever get a chance to come out it's in july or uh, june the very end of june so okay i'll have to look one. i'll have to look into that as long as it doesn't coincide with like yeah no yeah 
Indian mud run. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like I said, that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm also looking, I want to do some of the Phoenix races. So yep. this year's not looking good just because like I said, we're getting ready to hopefully move at the end of the year. So yep. a lot of our vacation is going to be going to Texas and scouting. So that's why every, every Spartan I'm signed up for is in Texas. Hey, there are a lot of really great races in Texas that aren't Spartan as well. Yeah. I mean, you have multiple savage races. You're going to have like battle of the lions is out there. Um, I have a friend down there now that when I did the ultra, I met someone, the town my wife wants to move to is called Conroe, Texas. And I met my, who ended up being my partner through the whole race. We met like halfway through the first lap. Um, and she's from Conroe. (laughs) So it ended up working. So she's been helping me get, you know, figure out what races are down there. She's told me about, there's a triathlon at the lake in Conroe. And I'm like, Oh, well, yeah. So hey, you already have a training buddy. Yeah, I do. So, which is awesome. (laughs) And that's the hardest thing to find sometimes, you know, I've got, um, you know, Don, who, who does the show with me, you know, he's the one that kind of sets everything up. Yep. He, uh, he adopted a, a baby last year, early last mm-hmm. year. So he's, his, his ability to train has kind of gone down a little bit. So I've got one friend, Brian, who we do quite a bit. I call him my soccer brother. Cause we, we come up with some of the stupidest ideas for workouts. <laughs> that so. that's funny. So my, my best friend and, um, he, his name is also Brian. Um, we're like, you know, family at this point. Yeah. Um, anytime I want to do anything, I'm like, so do you want to do something stupid? He's like, no. He's like, so what are we doing this weekend? And I'm like, oh, we're going to redline Mount Wachusett. Or, hey, do you want to go sign up for, you know, this race and run, you know, three laps of it? Um, and it's like, that's what we do. And now actually his girlfriend is now my roommate because I was in like a horrible living situation. Yeah. I'm like, I need to move. He's like, well, she just got, um, she just left her apartment because of bad roommates. And, you know, I have a roommate still and we're still on a lease. So she can't move with me, but she also has a cat, but like your dog would get really well along really well with her cat. And, you know, I'm, you and I are always training together and, you know, I'm always the third wheel for them anyways. Like it just works out. So it's like, you know, I can, I'll write up his workouts. He'll come out on my runs with me. He said, if I ever need a pit crew, he's retired from endurance racing after world's toughest mutter. It's like, but if you ever want to go to world's toughest mutter, I will gladly pit crew for you. And it's like, it works out so well. I mean, you, you really do need that strong, like friends group. Like you're judged by the company you keep, like you want to make sure that people have like the similar interests as you. And once you have those people, like, it's just incredible. Yeah. And that's one of the things with my, my, you know, as I said, my suffer brothers, I call him Brian. He, we we're about the same, you know, athletically, we can keep up with each other. He's probably a little stronger than me, you know, like lifting wise, but mm-hmm. running and everything else, we're about the same. Um, we did the triathlons, our, our first, my first triathlon I did with him. And then we did the Ironman. And what was so funny is on the Ironman, he whooped me on the swim and I just about died on the swim, but somehow I caught him on the bike. So somehow we ended up DNFing together. We like finished <laughs> at the, like cross at the same time to, for them to say you're past, you know, but it was, you know, it's just, we have, we're almost, we do so well together as, as a team. So, and he's actually mm-hmm. going with me to bend in May to do another race, you know, as a team, him and his wife. So it's going to be fun. So it, yeah. it's always fun when you have that person. 
but we awesome. should probably wrap this up. Don wants me to keep it to about an hour and we're at two. So yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, we, we've been talking for quite some time. <laughs> yeah, I kind of looked at him like, oh, hmm, yeah, he's not going to be happy with me. But like I said, I can talk OCR like literally oh, yeah. all day. It's quite literally my job at this point. So um, you get me on a tangent and I'll just keep going. <laughs> well, I, I definitely like to have you on again, because there's so many things that I still want to talk about. I mean, definitely. nutrition was amazing, you know, talking about that kind of the ideas on, you know, training, coming back from injury, all that kind of stuff. I mean, we touched on some of that stuff, but I mean, I'm sure you have so many great ideas oh, to yeah. talk about that. And <laughs> we'll make sure that we put, you know, your contact information. If any of our listeners need a coach, um, I might be leaning, reaching out to you soon. <laughs> No, I, I have one that I've used in the past, but she's more strengthening because conditioning. And I mean, she's amazing. and I love her. She's actually mm -hmm. family basically now, but some of the running isn't her, you know, yeah. she's really good at getting me to, to lift and, but the other stuff I don't, is she, you know, yep. and unfortunately that it usually you can only find somebody strength and conditioner. You can only find somebody running or like if they do both, they don't they'll like dabble a little bit, but they'll mm -hmm. be like, oh, you have to find a different workout for you to do on your own or yeah. whatever else. And it's like, I wanted to take all guesswork out of training. Like you shouldn't have to supplement your workouts. Like yeah. if you want more mobility, tell me you want more mobility and I'll send you some animal flow videos or, you know, whatever else. Like we can, I want to make sure that what you're doing or what anybody is doing fits in with everything else. And there's a purpose behind it all because one bad workout could mess up the entire program. Yeah. Yeah. My coach, so the one that I've used, I mean, she's amazing. She was really good at, you know, getting me to a, a good spot, but it's one of those things, like I said, it's, she's more strength conditioning and mm -hmm. the running part was, I kind of did my own thing on the running and just told her, Hey, this is what I did for run. And then she would work with me on the strength and conditioning. So, yep. Yep. and then yell at me for running more than I was supposed to, but <laughs> yep. I understand that one. She's like, yeah, you go run five miles today. And then I come back. What'd you do? 17. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I just kind of kept going. <laughs> uh, you know, I was feeling good. Yeah. I'm like, it happened. She's like only to you. Okay. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, all right. Well, it has been amazing talking to you. Um, like I said, I'll make sure and put up links to be able to get your information to find Thank you on you. Instagram and all that stuff. So, um, and I would definitely like to talk to you some more. So yeah, definitely. No, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. All right. We'll talk soon. Okay. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast. If you haven't done it yet, find us on Facebook, like, and share the podcast. Give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. All these things will help to expand the show in the future. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. Yeah.